Well, the most fiendish, the most wicked, the most destructive human ever to walk upon the earth is a man that the Bible calls the Antichrist. And of course, that's what our chapter 2, the first few verses are dealing with there. And uh, he actually will be the culmination of all those who hate Jesus Christ. Of all the people that have hated Jesus Christ down through mankind's history, he'll be the really the culmination um, of all the satanic false prophets that there have been, the false teachers, the false Christ. And he'll be wrapped up in all in, in one. And so when you think of the hypocritical liars who claim to be spokesmen for God and they have the, uh, the energy, the power of seducing spirits, teaching doctrines of demons, he's the culmination of all of those guys. And uh, so we see here in chapter 2, just in a few verses that we just read there, like in uh, verse 3, he is called the man of lawlessness. In the same verse, he's called the son of destruction. In verse 8, he is called the lawless one. Verse 9 he is called one who comes in accord with the activity of Satan. And so there are a few, uh, I guess you could say, titles of this person called the Antichrist. He's a singular person. And so uh, a mighty uh, impact that he will make upon the world, we see. When you think of Antichrist, uh, the word in the Greek is antichristos. Anti or anti can mean against. Most often it is it's anti, anti-disestablishmentarianism. There you go. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, but anyway, anti is against. But it doesn't always just mean that. It also can mean, and this makes sense too, in the place of. In the place of Christ. Anti-Christ. In the place of Christ. He's a satanic liar who's coming against Christ, replacing Christ are coming in His stead. Uh, Jesus referred to this one as uh, pseudo-Christos. Pseudo is what? False? Fake? Fake Christ. False Christ. Matthew 13. In there, uh, I believe it's uh, three times that uh, He's called, or this uh, Antichrist are called pseudo-Christos. False Christ. Uh, you look in First John, of course, in Second Thessalonians, the Antichrist there is speaking of one singular person. In Second John, John refers to Antichrists, but not just this one Antichrist that would be written by Paul in, in Thessalonians. So it, it can can take on a different meaning uh, depending on where the text is at. In First John two eighteen. see that there are many antichrists. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that antichrist is coming, so you've heard about the antichrist is coming, that one singular person, even now many antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. So John uses that, and if you drop down to verse 22, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
this is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. So if one denies the deity of Christ and that He came from the Father, then He's an Antichrist. So we can see that anybody that doesn't believe is an Antichrist in, in that sense. Um, chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. So in, that, in some senses, yes, that, that spirit was already there. But there's still one who would uh, culminate all of those. Second John, next book over, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So, There he's referring to many deceivers. And so he calls them uh, Antichrist. So we can see Paul using it there in Thessalonians. Then we see it here in John. Every individual in this world is really under the power and under the influence of of Satan as he is the ruler of this world in the the low sense, in the high sense. Christ is is ruling and reigning, but ultimately that, that will be seen. He, you know, he is the king, but at the same time, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of this world, as Jesus referred to. Um, so he, he wants to thwart the work of Christ. Satan does, and he uses uh, many people to attack the very work of Christ and what it's all about. He, he produces counterfeits coming in the spirit of, of Antichrist. So the Antichrist is an individual a God-denying, Christ-denying, counterfeit, a religious leader. Um, He denies Christ in the biblical sense, but he purports to be the Christ, the the coming one. Uh, So uh, until he comes, there are going to be many like him, as Jesus put forth in Matthew um, 20, I think of 24, uh, there are many like him who have uh, a spirit. It's going to deceive people. Uh, he's uh, uh, like a promised one that people are looking for, but um, that is not the biblical Christ. You think of uh, Satan all throughout biblical history, and he has tried to work against the very plan of God from the very outset. You can think of right in Genesis 3, right off the bat, um, temptation, Adam and Eve. You think of Genesis 6 trying to corrupt all of mankind. And of course, uh, God has to uh, flood the, the world. Uh, the Spirit had been working for a long time. So this, this thwarting just kept on going. And it's a massive effort that Satan has done. He uh, will not win. He cannot win. Sometimes it looks like he is, but he's not. In the book of Exodus... You have the children of Israel um, as slaves when we enter early into that uh, exodus. And there was a Pharaoh trying to kill all the male babies. And of course, this is the story of Moses and he's hidden. Satan was uh, endeavoring to destroy all the male children. That could destroy the messianic line. So if you can take out all the men then how can you have the Messiah, right? I think something is really interesting is you can see how God is in control 
And you know, there is the Davidic line that Jesus has to come through, right? That's prophesied. You see it in the Old Testament. You see how Matthew then puts that forth in the New Testament. Um, makes every effort that people will know that, okay, the, the lion from the tribe of Judah is coming from the Davidic line, He's, and that's the tribe of Judah. So all the kings that were uh, for the two tribes of Judah, the southern tribes, were from that royal line, from that line that David was in. Very interesting how there were a few times where it got down to a slim thread where there was only one left. And there were people and their relatives even killing others off uh, that would be in that line. But God kept that line going because of His promises. It has to go through that line of David, right? So, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 21. Let's take a look at this. I think this is really incredible how God keeps His promise even when it looks like man is going to destroy it. And I think behind it all, Satan is trying to thwart it. But he has people that he uses. So in Second Chronicles 21, verse 1, yet the, the first name that is mentioned is Jehoshaphat. He's a good king. He's from that right line. Uh, of the kings. It says in verse 1, Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers, so he dies, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Jehoram, his son, became king in his place. So there is staying up with that kingly line. He had a son, it's Jehoram, he becomes king. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat. So it's not just him, but there are other ones. Um, they're named Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Ezrahu, Michael, and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father gave them many gifts of silver, gold, and precious things with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. That makes sense. He gave gold and all sorts of precious things and cities to the other sons. Now when Jehoram, he's the one that's been appointed to be king, had taken over the kingdom of his father and made himself secure, look what he does. He killed all his brothers with the sword. And some of the rulers of Israel also. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of Ahab did. What's that saying? His father was a good king. What was Jehoram? A bad king, but in that line of Judah. For Ahab's daughter was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 7, Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David. He could have killed him right there, but then what happens? The line is cut off, right? It's fascinating. Yet the Lord, that is merciful, isn't it? He, you know, what did he do to his brothers? He killed them. He's evil because of the covenant. This is what God does because of the covenant which He had made with David, and since He had promised to give a lamp to him and his sons forever, God is not going to break His promise 
even despite the wickedness, the evil, the sin, no matter how bad it was, God did not do that. So verse 12, Then a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet. Ah, Elijah was living. That gives us an idea of what's going on. Elijah, right? Right. says this, Thus says the Lord God of your father David, Because of you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat, your father, and the ways of Asa, king of Judah, good kings, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Israel there would be talking about the ten northern tribes. And and none of them are good. None. No, not one. (laughs) Okay. Um, And have caused Judah, Judah's the two southern tribes, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot as the house of Ahab played the harlot, and you also have killed your brothers, your own family who were better than you. Behold, the Lord is going to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and all your possessions with a great calamity. Who's going to cause that? God is. And you will suffer severe sickness, a disease of your bowels, until your bowels come out because of your sickness day by day. Elijah the prophet is telling the king this. Then the Lord stirred up against Jehoram, look at this, the spirit of the Philistines. This is secondary causes. God never causes anybody to ever sin. He cannot. He never will. Never has done it. But in His control, there are secondary causes. So the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabs who bordered the Ethiopians, they came against Judah and invaded it, carried away all the possessions, found in the king's house together with his sons and his wives. Oh, his sons. They're going to be standing in the line of Judah, right? So that no son was left to him, but it doesn't stop there, except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. God spares one. So after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable sickness. You already told that, right? Now it came about in the course of time at the end of two years that his bowels came out because of his sickness and he died in great pain. His people made no fire for him like the fire for his fathers. He was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He departed with no one's regret. (laughs) Nobody liked him. That is exactly right. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Total dishonor. And well, it should be. Well, what are the people thinking? Well, who do we have as king? We're glad he's gone. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place. For the band of men who came with the Arabs to the camp had slain all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Well, who is Jehoahaz? What's that? Who's Jehoahaz? Yeah. Yeah. So no son was left to him except Jehoahaz, his youngest son. Now who is this guy? 
Okay. Well, we're, 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 and, and we're, yeah, we're going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got all these names going now, all the ayahs and, and such. Um, now, Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king and reigned one year in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. He also walked according to their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to wage war against Haziel, king of Aram at Ramoth-Gilead. But the Arameans wounded Joram, so he returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which they had inflicted on him at Ramah. So he didn't die yet. When he fought against Haziel, king of Aram, and Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, and Jezreel, because he was sick. Now the destruction of Ahaziah was from God, in that he went to Joram. For when he came, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab came about when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab, he found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers ministering to Ahaziah and slew them. He also sought Ahaziah, and they caught him while he was hiding in Samaria. They brought him to Jehu, put him to death, and buried him. For they said, He is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So there was no one of the house of Ahaziah to retain the power of the kingdom. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. What? But uh, Jehoshabeth, the king's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death, placed him and his nurse in the bedroom, so Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was a sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah, so that she would not put him to death. He was hidden with them in the house of God six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. Okay, drop down to verse 12 of chapter 23. When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, you know who the king is? Yeah, and he's really uh, he's really young, right? Yeah. Pretty young. <laughs> he's seven years old. He's one, six years later. still isn't. Yeah, Yeah, and here's the deal. Um, in the 
Hebrew, there's like uh, two letters that, and uh, there's a the difference between those two letters are very minuscule, and not that the word of God has any errors. But there have in the Old Testament every once in a while you'll see notes in there where there have been some copyist errors, or you know in, in bringing it down it was there, but later on copyists came along. Well, then you have translators that come in, and I think eventually uh, some other translations like I have New American Standard says 22, they pick up on that and and they'll they'll put that in there and and to show that okay this is not God's error here, but. When you have letters that are very similar, and then then you have other copyists that come along and put that in there, that's how that can be. That's how come we can have numbers occasionally that can differ. I mean, it's it's. Ahaziah and Jehoahaz are the same person. I'm not meaning to butt ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Or, right. or, or, or some of them were, were co-regents and things like that. Right, but you explain yeah. what appears to be contradictions. But it seems right. like they would, you know, explain that to me a little better somewhere, yeah. even in my notes. Yeah, it's not even in my notes. Sometimes the people, sometimes the people make the study Bible. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of Jewish, uh, Hebrew scholars, like if you listen to Because a lot of these names that we get here, like, you know, Jesus' name isn't Jesus, it's Jewish. So it's like, you know, when it's translated to, you know, uh, that's where they get the, that's where they get the, um, what is that uh, big religion now? Oh, here we come, Jehovah Witness. Oh. Jehovah, Yahweh, you know, then they, they just take that. Right. Honest question. I don't. I don't see how this fits. And uh, either that, like that book, or like Norman Geisler's uh, Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics, uh, would deal with these things. And it's like they would have an explanation that they weren't just dramatic tricks trying to make it fit. Right. It really made sense. You know, and it really did fit. This so, isn't a difficult passage. It's just a simple explanation. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah this would be and I'm still, I was still wondering, well, what about Jehovah has? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and thank you. Hey, uh, you guys, very helpful in what, in what you just stated there. That, that is very helpful because go over to Second Chronicles chapter 25, a few t- chapters later. I think it's in verse uh, 23 here. Then Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Joahaz. Right? There's your Joahaz. Right? So you, you get a you get another name popping up here here that sounds familiar, right? At Beth Shemesh and brought him to Jerusalem, tore down the uh, the wall there. Uh, and and sometimes whenever you get names to 
Like, I can be known as Dennis. I could be, you know, written down in a story. Later on, they may refer to me as Mr. Helton, right? Is it wrong because they don't use that same word all the way through? And that would be the reasons for the, as Dwayne was saying. <laughs> but do you see what's happening here? I think it's incredible that, okay, you have... Satan is, is behind all of this. I mean, there are, are people, you know, that's working there and then... But he wants to break the royal line. Satan knows this. He tries to break down a royal line of Christ. You know, you have Jerome, kills all his brothers. Uh, the royal line got reduced to one person. And the whole messianic redemption there of, of the hope of the world hung on one life. One boy. Boy, no kidding. And this is fragile, you know, of how that could happen. So... Um, the one individual had sons, and then in Second Chronicles 22, the Arabians came to camp. What do they do? They massacre all the sons except one, and again the line hangs on, you know, on this one life, and the youngest son, Ahaziah, um, but he rules one year. His name, uh, uh, Athaliah, comes into uh, play, and she. Look at the evilness that she's doing, you know, and and what she wants to take out of this, and and to. Kill or she's vile, and so, uh, I'm not meaning to get off track. Yeah, it, uh, just showing God's providence, God's protection, what He's going to do, that He will fulfill the plan. Uh, this also reminds us of, uh, of Moses, you know, the deliverer, and look how fragile that is. Right? Exactly. They're supposed to get whacked, you know, and and here he is floating in a little basket in the river, you know, daubed with pitch, and uh, and and the princess finds him, you know. And so and that's this is our God. Wow. I mean, shouldn't this give us... Does this give us great comfort? Because if you're His, whatever it's going to be, He's going to keep you. Even if we die, He's going to keep us into eternity. You know, But He will make sure that everything comes down in the way that He wants it, even when it comes down to the slimmest little thread. So when I was reading through this, it's been a long time since I've been in this section and dealing with this, and it's like, Wow! This is like it just burst off the page. This has got to work again. Of course, he is always working, but uh, he never does. And all the sons are killed, but one. Uh, you know, you have the the Jehu, right? And um, and of course, this one life is hidden in the temple. And uh, by the. Uh, until he's like, what, six years later? He's seven. God spares the messianic line against what I would say the spirit of Antichrist even working there in, in that sense. And of course, there is one that's going to be coming. But uh, what I was saying, it's, it's always a thwarting of the work of Christ. Because when you think of Antichrist, we're not going to lift him up, but we, we look at Christ and it all is pointing to Christ, isn't it? Because he has to come through this line, or else God is lying, or he can't keep his promises. He tries, but oh, they messed it up. No, he, he's, his purpose just is amazing. Esther, the whole race could be killed. And, and of course, you know, Haman tried to eradicate all of Israel. Antiochus Epiphanes, which, you know, uh, is in uh, history. It's not in the Scripture, but in history, we see Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, king of Syria, who during the interim, 
testamental period between the Old Testament and New Testament tried to wipe out the Jews and he failed because of the Maccabean revolution, the revolts that they had. Uh, And then you have to think of Herod at the time when Jesus was born and all the male babies in that area were to be killed two years and younger. Avell. It reminds me of, as we talk about this, it reminds me of uh, when we're in Revelation and, you know, the, it says that the woman is about to give birth to the son and the dragon appears and he's going to try to swallow the child and then he doesn't succeed and he threatens God that I'm going to attack all of the children of the earth, all the descendants, I'm going to attack them all. You know, I'm going to go after them all. And then we see through history that he has. You know, as we read through here, it's like, I didn't know that, or maybe I didn't pay attention to, you know, the fact that the Davidic line held on as many times just on one person because everyone else was eradicated. You know, that never clicked until today because I'm like, wow, I didn't same here I, I you know you, you forget about that or you cruise over passages and then when you get into it another time that's why you can't read the Bible enough and what if the history had not been recorded yeah how would we even know I mean it's like oh yeah you know any I mean they could have said that the, it was like that line was wiped out they're gone because look at that, all those kids were killed. Yep. And what if the history had not been preserved? And look at the preservation of Scripture. How this is done. It's amazing. And along those lines, this is after the, you know, this is after Jesus and after the Bible. But uh, and I'm getting some of this from like Hallie's Bible and the Bible. Apparently Diocletian, I mean, he, his intent was to exterminate the Christians. Exactly. You know, and yet they they hid out in holes and dens, caves, you know, holes of the earth, and so forth. And then this I, this is, this memory is far too foggy. I wish I could remember the details. But somehow I, I had the idea that somehow scripture was preserved by some Irish monks on this island. Uh, when I don't know what was going on, but I, I just remember that, that these Irish monks saved civilization, even though they were Catholic. Uh, God, used God used them to preserve Scripture and preserve what would become civilization. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Something on sixty minutes or Dateline about that really? coming up. These monks that uh-huh. found some Scripture. Yeah. I think that's, they lived on this little island at the tip of the map to get out of the water. Yeah, these 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 were. God is amazing. <laughs> you can't you can't bring it up enough, can you? The power of God. It is. And what I'm going to do is. We still worry. Huh? Oh, yeah. Why do we? Why do we? Why? We know stuff. We got to ask that. Everybody does it, right? I had somebody ask me. And I was all, you know, concerned about all this stuff with North Korea and whatever, because yeah. a bunch of people were sitting there talking about it. And I was just sitting there like this, listening. Well, aren't you worried? And I just smile. <laughs> Is God sovereign or not? <laughs> Is what you're thinking? That's the thing. Like with things like Korea, things that are going on. Those are not big things to me. It's that little stuff like 
I forgot to pay the bill. <laughs> <laughs> the real stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just lose sleep over it. And yeah. Good point. That's a good way to end on this on this evening then. Because we can take the little things like that, which really, how do they compare to these things? God is controlling these things. Does He love us? Does He care for us? Does He grace us? Is He merciful to us? All the time, everywhere. It's amazing. So the Antichrist spirit had infected somebody that came to Thessalonica and brought a letter saying it was from Paul and the people were scared to death that the the day of the Lord had come. And so that's the setting. That's what we'll be working into as we go into uh, next week. And uh, their Antichrist will set it off. Hey, perfect timing. See you later. We're done. Thank you guys for coming. Let's have a word with the Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for once again, You remind us how great You really are. And You are in control of the world even though sometimes it looks like Satan and his henchmen and everybody that who has not trusted Christ seem to be winning. We know that that doesn't happen. And uh, So thank You, Lord, for Your story. And as we continue to go throughout the rest of this week, may we always focus upon uh, how you have governed all the way through history. In Jesus' name, amen.